Hello, welcome along to the Property Canopy Podcast. I'm your host, Edward Knight. And today on the show, we're talking about school zones. Do they make your house go up in value faster and are they a good investment? Now, I recently got a call from Miriam Bell, one of the senior journalists over at Stuff. And she said, Ed, I'm doing an article on school zones and whether they're a good investment. What do you think? I said, blow me down, Miriam, I don't actually know. Let me do some data crunching and I'll give you a buzz back. So I run a whole heap of data and I call her back the next day and it's fascinating. We've got some great data that we're going to share with you today and it goes across Auckland, Wellington and Christchurch. But Andrew, what's the kind of hypothesis we're testing today? Well, I think that the natural assumption is a property in a good school zone is going to attract more buyers when you come to sell it. So one would expect that it would go up at a faster rate and maybe it would sell a bit quicker than a comparable property in a less good school zone. And I think people say, well, if I buy in a good school zone, it's going to be a more expensive property. So let's go through and test these out. First of all, I'm going to test out the higher price part. So are properties in better school zones more expensive? Look, the answer is yes. So up here, I'm going to show this for everybody on YouTube, though for you guys listening to the podcast, I'm going to explain this. You can see that Properties within the double grammar zone, which is a very popular school zone within Auckland, means you can send your kids both to Epsom Girls Grammar and to Auckland Grammar, which is a very popular boys' school. And property prices there, on average, about 1.95 times that of properties everywhere else in Auckland. So 1.5 times that, so almost double. Almost double. So if it was average price across Auckland region, million dollars, you'd expect a property within the double grammar zone to be about $1.95 million, according to the data. Now, here's the interesting thing. This is in a very posh area. So if you own a house within the DGZ, as it's often called, uh, in double grammar zone. Uh, right. <laughs> Was that a joke? No. Oh, I thought <laughs> you were joking. My coffee for the day. I was like, you're an idiot. So if you buy a property within the DGC, it's going to be in some posh areas. Epsom, Parnell, Remuera. But what's difficult to split out is, are these properties more expensive because they're in posh areas, or is it solely because of the double grammar zone? Now, look, in actual fact, it's going to be a mix of all of these things. So yes, properties, at least within the double grammar zone up in Auckland, are more expensive than other properties around the region. But what about in Christchurch, Andrew? Cool. What are the good school zones down here, and how do they impact price? I don't know. I didn't go to them. But Boys High, Girls High School Zone is probably the more affluent school. That's the school that you want your kids to go to if you're choosing one based on zone. And if we look at over the last 30 years in Christchurch, the properties within that area have tended to be about 1.44 times. So not as much as Auckland, but again, you've got the same bias because of the area. So you're looking at Christchurch Central, Fendleton, and some parts of Rickerton. Some parts of Rickerton are really affluent as well and kind of back onto that Fendleton. And Fendleton is one of Christchurch's more expensive suburbs. So if the average price in Christchurch City is 700k, you'd expect roughly the average price of a property within the double Christchurch Boys, Christchurch Girls zone to be about a million dollars on average. Okay, so I think the pricing side's probably pretty obvious. We expect that those good school zone areas are going to be more expensive, but let's come back to the capital growth question because that's what matters to you as an investor. Do I buy an investment property within those school zones thinking that my house price is going to go up in value faster, or do I buy in a relatively more cheap area, more affordable area, and perhaps get a better rental yield because we know 
cheaper properties tend to have better rental yields. Well, what I've done is I've crunched the numbers in each of our three major cities, looking specifically at capital growth. And here what I've got, and I'll just explain it for everybody, I've got the average annual capital growth, but it's over a seven year period. So I don't have the highest quality data here. I'm using median sale price data. But what I've done is I've looked at it over a seven year period. Now, why might I average it over seven years, Andrew? Because you've probably got 20 years worth of data and you need it to be a rolling average. Yeah, that is true. But also the reason I've looked at over seven years, so comparing just for example, example, January 2000 with January 2007, February 2000 with February 2007, because seven years is roughly the average that somebody owns a property for here in New Zealand. It's going to help smooth out the data and look at underlying trends. So that gives me 368 different data points I can work with and draw some conclusions from. Now, What does this actually show us? Well, the orange line for you guys on YouTube is the double grammar zone. The blue line is the Auckland region. And Andrew, just for the podcast listeners, describe what are we seeing here? You're basically seeing them running pretty much at the same rate. And sometimes you'll see the good school zones slightly above. And sometimes you'll see the blue line, the other areas slightly above. And it's really interesting. They are pretty consistent. They follow the same trend. Yeah. Now, for example, in kind of early 2015, the double grammar zone was going up at 9.5%, rest of the market about 8%. But then come over here to early 2020, you see the whole region going up at 7%, double grammar zone down at 6%. Now, when you average this all out, it turns out that the Auckland region, so Auckland as a whole, did 0.34% better per year than the double grammar zone over the last 30 years. Which is interesting because in Auckland, you've got a lot of apartments as well that will be bringing down that number, whereas in those areas, I doubt there's many apartments. Yeah, there's fewer of them. So what that basically means is that if the average property in the city was going up at 7% per year, the double grammar zone was going up at 6.66% per year. So it's actually going up at lesser rate. At a slower rate. So that's not what many people would expect expect. Now, let's look at the data in Christchurch, because maybe that could just be a bit of a one-off and it's different elsewhere. So let's pull up that same data and take a look. What are we seeing? And if you are listening to this on the podcast, I would recommend going and watching this on YouTube, because when Ed showed me these graphs yesterday, all excited, I was amazed at how similar the trends are. And again, we are seeing this exact same thing with Christchurch. Sometimes the school zone is bettering the norm, and sometimes the norm is bettering the school zones. Overall, they run at pretty consistent trends. And over the last 30 years, again, if we average it out, the school zones did 0.11% better. So if Christchurch's annual growth rate was 6%, then the school zone on average was 6.11%. So a little bit above, but not any meaningful amount. I don't think that you could ever look at that and say, okay, I'm going to buy in the school zone then. No, they're just so similar. Any variation is just spurious. It's random because we see in Auckland, school zone did 0.3% worse here. It's 0.1% better. Not enough to draw any conclusion. I don't think it's should be something that you use as part of your investment criteria at all. Well, let's just look at Wellington as well. Here we've got the exact same data averaged over seven years, and we're looking at the Wellington College and Wellington Girls High School, so the two reasonably good public schools down there, and comparing it again to the Wellington region. Let me pull that up. And what are we seeing here, Andrew? 
Again, pretty consistent. It was a bit different with the school zones having less growth, quite significantly less growth between the years. What is that? I can't That's about that. 2000 through to about 2006. Which is really interesting. Like that's the biggest gap that we see. But now you've seen it pretty much recover. And at the moment, Wellington as a whole goes up faster than the properties within the school zones. Now, I think here you probably do have some, I'm going to call it bias, where in the Wellington College, Wellington Girls High School school zone, you've got tons of apartments which don't go up in value as quickly. Whereas the areas that are outside of that school zone tend to have more houses. And that's possibly why on average we see the in-school zone did 0.79% worse per year than the rest of the city. So, I mean, hugely significant. But even when I was thinking about, okay, there's probably some bias in here, what does that tell me? It says, well, there are other more important factors to look at than the school zone because we're looking at this saying, oh, yeah, but it's probably because of something else. Well, what does that tell us? That something else is more important. Property type, whether it's apartments or townhouses or standalone house, that decision is more important than what the school zone is. That's what this is telling me here. And look, this is really important to consider because the number of investors that we work with or that I hear at maybe one of the Property Investors Association that say, oh, I'm going to buy a school zone because it's going to be highly sought after for rent and it's going to go up at a rate. We come up with all these ideas about what's important with an investment. And most of the time, none of the things that you're considering even matter. It's just that we've created this because that's what we look for in a house. So we might be thinking about sending young Johnny to Christchurch Boys High. So we want to buy in school zone. And so we think that that makes a good investment, but it doesn't at all. The data does not support that being a good investment decision. And in fact, if you're paying extra money, if you're paying 1.44 times what Canterbury's rate is, you're probably not going to get 1.44 times the rent. So therefore, it's not a good investment investment. And Ed, actually, I remember reading through this article where you quoted, and you obviously done some quite intense data crunching, but but a real estate agent didn't agree with you. Oh, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm very glad that we got Ray White Lockwell's Birkenhead manager, Chris Gemmell, who's clearly a, an economist and data expert, he having a different, a different view. view. <laughs> <laughs> I could hear Ed squawk from his desk, all from the other side of the office. Oh, he thinks that school zones are a critical factor within the value of a property and do have an impact on an area's prices. So Chris, if you're listening, share your data with us. We'd love to see it. <laughs> well, well, it was interesting. I mean, I don't want to come across as too much of a mean person. You are. But he, okay, fine. He says, it acts as a pressure point for people wanting to buy into the area if there's not enough properties available, demand outstrips supply, puts upward pressure on prices. So they do have an impact, hard to quantify how much is what he says. Look, I've got no doubt that real estate agents genuinely believe that school zones have a big impact on pushing up house prices at a faster rate. And, you know, at the margin for maybe a couple of people, that might do. You know, it might have a bit of an impact pushing it up. But not everybody has kids. Not everybody moving into these areas are specifically doing it for the school zone. There's lots of other factors. They're desirable areas anyway. And as we've seen from the data, we don't actually see it having an impact on the market as a whole. And what's really important, you know, this data that I'm showing you guys here today, 
actually every real estate agent in the country has access to it and they get it as part of their membership of the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand. So we all have access to this data. It's just who decides to jump in and actually use it. And people with no life. Well, the thing that I, I do get a bee in my bonnet about is that, you know, people get quoted in the media say, oh, it has a huge impact. Well, no, it doesn't. Show it. Prove what, it then. What are you basing this on? You have, <laughs> you've got nothing to base on. Look, here's what I care about. I care about long-term trends that you yes. as a property investor can actually make a decision on. And the second thing that I care about is revealed preferences. So what do people actually do as opposed to what people say they're going to do? And that is revealed in the prices they're paying as a whole market. And the data is what we get out of that. So I think it's really important that we don't go just buying an area because we like the school zone, because it doesn't matter in terms of your long-term investment. And actually, we don't even see properties in these good school zones selling more quickly than properties outside. Here's the data of average time to sell a house in Auckland region versus the double grammar zone. Andrew, what are we seeing? Again, you're seeing pretty much the same most of the time. You'll have school zones beating non-school zones some of the time and vice versa, but there's no trend difference whatsoever. Well, look right now. On average, takes 40 days to sell a house in Auckland region. It is currently taking 47 days to sell a house within the double grammar zone. Now, that, why why might that be the because case? Because it's a higher price. It's a higher price property, and that probably has more of an impact than the school zone. Because they're 95% more expensive. How many people are actually there? So we just don't see it. <laughs> I mean, there's these theories that we not actually see it. So, Andrew, why don't we see school zones increasing in value more quickly as a percentage than other types of properties? Well, this is what we call premium in, premium out. You pay a higher price to enter that market. So in Auckland, it's almost double the normal price. And then you're receiving a higher price when you sell that property. But again, you're dealing with something that's a higher value property. So that's probably going to have more of an impact on the days to sell, but it's not going to affect your capital growth rate at all. Yeah. So if you're paying a 95% premium to get into the double grammar zone or a 44% premium to get into Christchurch boys, Christchurch girls, you receive that same premium at the end. It'll still be roughly 95% more expensive than average, but the value of that premium doesn't increase over time. And if that, that premium did increase over time, that would mean that the value of that good education, and arguably you'd probably make it relative to private school education, that would have to increase at a faster rate than the mm. property market on average for people to then value that more. Mm. But do we see that? Well, look, I don't know what the inflation rate is of private school education these days, but I'm assuming it's probably not going up by 6 or 7% a year. Now, look, at the margin, some changes in school zones could have an impact. For instance, if you weren't in the school zone, but the school zone expanded and now you are, yep. or more likely the case these days, as we get more intensification, especially in our major cities, the school zone shrinks. You were in the school zone and now you're not. That could devalue your property so that, a wee bit. Okay, so if you're buying on the fringe of a school zone, that might actually be a riskier investment. That could be slightly, but again... I wouldn't be worrying too much about this. I mean, we've talked previously on this podcast about the eight different things that do make an impact. Property type, whether the region you're buying in is under or overvalued, the population growth, and five other factors that we've shared previously. Those are the things to focus on, not school zones, not land size, and not the number of bedrooms above two or three bedrooms, because that stuff 
doesn't matter as much. What does matter? Those other factors. Look, we're going to wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you're listening to this podcast, want to watch the YouTube with all of the graphs and stuff, then just Google YouTube Opus Partners. It'll be the first thing that comes up. listening to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Eva Knight. I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time, 